Hey, we have a quick update for you. We've started posting to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. You can help support us by rating and reviewing so we can expand our reach. And if you already reviewed us, please help us by sharing this podcast with somebody who would be interested. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Community Roots. My name is Samuel Richards. My name is Dr. Adrienne Johnson. And we're off the beaten path today. Um, we are currently airing on WGRN 94.1 LP FM, Columbus, the Green Renaissance. And um, we're interviewing Sarah Wakefield. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. Tell us about you. Who are you? Um, okay. How specific? How specific would you like to get? Well, for <laughs> all of our listeners, I'm a 36-year-old young professional working at a big university in the city. Um, I've been there for 12 years, and I'm here to talk about what mental health has meant to me. Um, I am pretty active when it comes to exercise, so I do a lot of running, so I get to see my neighborhood really well. I get to know what's going on there, which means a lot because I like it it makes me a part of the community. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an equestrian, so I spend most of my summer um, riding horses, or one horse. And um, What's the horse's name? Uh, her name is Hadassah. Oh, great. But we call her, call her the little red sports car <laughs> because she's red, and she's compact, and she zooms. Awesome. <laughs> so sometimes that's great. Most of the time it's not. You're able to hold on to her as she zooms? Yes. So you're very talented, very skilled. I'm so talented, <laughs> You're pro. so skilled. I'm, you know, the best. You know, um, on the Community Roots, the other one, we... Uh, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> Not the beaten path? Yeah, yeah, right. When we're on the regular road, um, yeah, we uh, talk a lot about walks. And last week, last time we were on here, we were talking about the importance of pets. So it's really oh, cool yeah. to see those two intersect. Yes. Yes. Well, I do have a dog and a cat. So I've got the pets covered, I think. I love that. that therapy. Research supports the efficacy of equestrian therapy and of having dogs and cats as support mm. animals and emotional um, support animals. And uh, I think it's great that you have that. Thank you. It's something I grew up with, so it's very integral, I think, to my own mental health. I love it. Talk mm -hmm. to us about your journey into mental health. <laughs> um, so when... I was rather young. I experienced some trauma in my life, um, and then it kind of shadowed the rest of my adolescence. Um, and as with any trauma, it just kind of becomes a part of you if you let it, and it kind of dictates who you are. And mm. so uh, I kind of lived with it, kind of developed my life around it, and mm. how not to experience that trauma again, or how not to let it influence me anymore. But I kind of, I buried it, but I also just carried all of that with mm. me. Mm. Um, so it was always there. And so then when I got married, not too long afterwards, about four years later, I started having significant panic attacks and couldn't figure out what, what they were, what 
what was happening. Um, pretty debilitating. I didn't want to eat. I wasn't sleeping. I wanted to um, just hide in a closet and live there. Um, but I had people in my life who were very encouraging and that I had, a, I had built rapport with. I had gotten to know their walk a little bit and knew that I could speak to them um, about what I was going through and, and this mess that it was making in my head and how it was kind of destroying my life. And um, about a couple months after my first panic attack, I sought the advice of a, of a therapist. And she was one of the first people um, to tell me that I wasn't crazy and felt compassion. And then several months into that relationship, I confessed, not confessed, because was, um, it wasn't my fault, but um, the trauma that had I had experienced. And I kind of brought it up as an aside, like, oh, and by the way, you should probably know this. And the look on her face was just utter compassion. Hmm. If you could you know, pick up a wounded baby and soothe it and like have that nurturing, all encompassing, I will take care of you or like, oh, my poor baby. That was her response. And, um, I had no idea that was going to be her response. And she advocated for me in a huge way. Um, my little internal Sarah and was very adamant that I needed to uh, address this. And, Next thing I knew, I was unpacking so much when it came to my own self-identity, to came when it came to who I am, um, and how you when you suffer trauma, um, it might not be something that happens immediately, like a big explosion. Mm. Um, you're not you don't always you're not always on a battlefield and with you know ammo flying around your face and that kind of trauma, although that is significant, but you can also experience trauma that builds over years. And so not only the trauma of the initial experience, then what I did by compounding that every time I thought about that and every time I let that shame wash over me um, and how I took that on as an identity that I didn't need to carry and how I just, I didn't talk to my family about it. Um, I didn't, I never said anything to anyone about it. And I just said, I just thought to myself, well, it's my fault. And when people would ask me, I actually com- talked about it with a girl when I was in college at a Christian retreat. And she said, well, didn't you blame God? And I'm like, no, I don't blame God for this. Like it was my fault. And so that's like the significance of how much I carried it with me mm-hmm. and how I wasn't ad- addressing it. And mm-hmm. so once we started unpacking all of that, then I got to realize just some, I got to experience this freedom of, I'm a, I'm a good person. <laughs> I'm a good person in the sense that it wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. I can do bad things for sure. I can cut people off. I can, you know, say obscene things to people while I'm driving. Be human. Be human. <laughs> yeah. um, but that wasn't my fault. And something that I experienced at such a young age to understand that that wasn't my fault, even though I may have thought that I was a big girl and I knew what was happening, um, th- that was pretty significant. So that's where my passion, like where I just, I come so alive when, it, when I think about how sh- this one woman and a few words turned my whole life around. That sounds like a transformative journey. 
Yes, it has been. Thank you for sharing that with us. It sounds very intense. Yeah, sure. It's intense. It's also not my, I'm not the only person to experience trauma at a young age. Um, But to you, it's so personal. It is so personal. Uh, I guess I'll own that. Yes, it is so personal. personal. And there is stigma associated with counseling even today. Mm -hmm. And as progressive as our society is, I still even hear from my colleagues or from clients that people will say, I I think I'm crazy. I think I'm going crazy or counseling Mm -hmm. is for crazy people. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to question ourselves when we are enduring a trauma and the effects of a trauma and it shapes who we are and what we do. We believe that it defines us and it doesn't, but we start to think when our coping skills fail that we're crazy. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like that happened to you. Oh, for sure. But also why would I need therapy? I had a fairly stable family growing up. It was chaotic in ways that I didn't know other families weren't chaotic. Um, But all signs pointed to why would I ever need to speak to a mental health therapist? Mm -hmm. Why would I ever need to start that journey? Mm Because only people who have like bipolar or I don't know if I can say that here. (laughs) You can say it. (laughs) But who outwardly express some sort of mental health more observable conditions. Exactly. Thank things you. we can see. Things, things we see we in the see. papers and in, uh, on the internet. Yes. I, I felt that. I felt that stigma too. Starting my own journey with therapy, mm-hmm. even being in a household that was really open towards therapy, and my both my parents really benefited from it. I also felt just kind of. It feels like there's a social stigma around that. Around mm-hmm. like, oh, you're getting help. Um, or something like that, which is a good thing. It's great. And I feel more whole because I did it and because I'm more equipped to deal with these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. We go to the doctor once a year for checkups, but people don't value their mental health in the same way. And it takes a lot to get people into a therapist's office. And hearing your story is inspiring, I'm sure, to a lot of listeners who will want to go to therapists because they share your journey. They identify with your journey. And they see you as an inspiration for walking the path of health. Thank you. (laughs) Absolutely. You also spoke to the impact of being a community member and Mm -hmm. how important that is in your mental health and maintaining your journey. Talk to us about that, the importance of community. Absolutely. So when you talk about community roots... Um, there's also <laughs> I love that. Um, when you talk about community roots, I identify with that intensely because as a kid, I grew up without roots. Um, my hmm. I was homeschooled, um, and so I didn't I wasn't invested in a public school system or a school system of any type. Um, I didn't get to know my community when I grew up uh, very well because my parents were dealing with their own. Issues. Issues. I can say issues. Absolutely. And what they had, their trauma that they had experienced, and, I mean, they were in the midst of, like, marital upheaval as well. Um, But to get back to my point, I didn't feel, like, connected. Mm -hmm. Our church was an hour away, so, you know, getting invested in that was really difficult. I had no friends my age. Um, I remember when I started public school in seventh grade, I wanted a friend. Mm-hmm. I just really, really, really wanted a friend. That makes my heart ache. It it was heartbreaking to seventh grade Sarah. Um, and I never, I didn't develop friendships until I was in college. I had a couple friends in high school, junior high and high school, that I would say tolerated me. 
um, but nobody to really connect with. And since then, since college, college was amazing um, because everybody entered on the same playing field Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter what your background was or who you were. Uh, I I took it as a time to be me, Mm -hmm. whatever that looked like. And discover who you were now. Yes. So community and roots are so important to me. And so that's why, you know, I live in Clintonville. And for me, I run around. I maps are really important to me um, because it helps. <laughs> I I bring that up just because I like to know my community. I like to know where I am. I am investing roots into my neighborhood um, because I didn't have that as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I often wonder, you know, if I had had better roots as a child, would I have experienced that trauma? Mm. Would I have had somebody to talk to about it? if I had built those connections with people, mm-hmm. if I had built safe people around me, but if, if I had safe people around me, but everybody just lived so far away. The isolation intensifies the symptoms of trauma as well. It stays with you. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, so, you know, living in Columbus now, I consider Columbus my home. I've been here since 2001. I went to the same big university in Columbus. I went to high state and, um, you know, that's where I started developing roots. That's where I started running around um, all of Columbus, the bike paths, the the side streets, just developing this sense of I've run this path. This is my home. This is this is my space. That speaks to the journey as well. Mm-hmm. You're physically taking that journey through your community and strengthening your roots here. Yeah, if you are just joining us, um, we are Community Roots Off the Beaten Path. Um, we're airing on WGRN 94.1 LPFM, Columbus, the Green Renaissance. And I actually had a question because last week we talked about community in Community Roots. And um, I was curious, like, how you made that community whenever you went to college or how did you, like, put those roots down and um, start to meet people um. Uh, I pretty much demanded it. I decided I was no longer going to stay on the sidelines and um, react to my environment. I wanted friends. Dang it. And I <laughs> <laughs> deserved them. <laughs> and I was going to make them. And it turned out I was pretty good at making friends. Or at least the people I hung out with were really, really accepting and when you're all on your own in a vulnerable place like college, when you're all freshmen and you finally moved away from home, it level like I said earlier, it levels the playing field. And I was ready. I I was sick and tired of not having roots. And I didn't develop roots within the university. I, I wish I had spent more time looking back, I wish I had spent more time with student organizations. Um with my advisors, with my professors, and really connecting within the university. But I was not ready for that. That was a step, another step that I just, I wasn't ready to take. I didn't know how to take. And so my dorm became my roots. Great. Um, mm-hmm. I We had floor seven. Yeah, floor seven. <laughs> yeah, that was our uh, <laughs> nice. hangout group. But yeah, go ahead. Um, no, my room, I just kind of went around um, my floor. I was on the first floor and... Um, met people i just i just met people and i somehow amazingly i was blessed with three other girls in my dorm room who were great girls 
Um, and the one other girl, um, tall Sarah, I was short Sarah. She was tall Sarah. <laughs> and we just piled around and we had a wonderful time. But I had to, you know, fight for that. You, know, I, you just can't go in someplace and sit down and expect people to become your friend. Um, it helps when people do and when people are seeking out other people. But that's what I did. I sought out. I sought out my community. And then later on, I, um, after, after I got so invested in my own mental health journey, that awareness, and when I uh, was going through my divorce, I created another community. I knew I had to. I knew I needed a support group. And so I, I har- not harassed, but I definitely said, you are part of my support group. I'm putting you in my phone as my support group, and I will text you at 3 a.m., and you advocated for yourself. I did. I did. That's and people awesome. wanted to do yeah. that too. Because when you see another person in turmoil who's going through a period of great heartbreak, I mean, nobody wants to get divorced. Um, these women just kind of surrounded me with so much love. And so, you know, the day I met with our attorney for the first time, I texted all these women and said, this is what's happening and just got showered with love. So I have to advocate for that. I have to advocate for myself because they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what I'm going through if I don't tell them. I think that's so awesome. Like we definitely talked about that in our community episode last week, talking about being able to take that step and actually reaching out because people don't know Mm -hmm. if you're just drowning because they haven't gotten the chance. And what I really like is whenever I've reached out, then people reach out back. And so it becomes mutual and it becomes really strong because Mm -hmm. Somebody just took the first step. Yep. You feel so connected. Yep. And it takes strength to to reach out, be that first one. Strength and desperation. (laughs) (laughs) Motivation. Right, motivation. Yeah, Um, yeah, when you connect with friends in that way, when you you reach out, um, you create a safe space for them, just like you said, um, Samuel. And... That has been wonderful because then you start to use the same lingo and you start to understand like your souls are on the same level and we all deal with it, that you are not alone. And what greater gift is to know that you're not alone. Definitely. And and I think of my my wonderful friend Margot and I I remember that crossing that bridge of vulnerability and um, saying like, oh, I'm seeing a therapist. And then her response being, oh my gosh, I did too. And so now, you know, years and years later, we still have these conversations and it's easy and she's safe. And if you need to like bleep her name out, that's okay. <laughs> 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 she so the best kept secret became your, your healing mechanism. Yeah. Seeing a therapist. Yeah. And anybody looking at me would never think that I would see a therapist if they weren't already on their own mental health journey. I would think that you are because healthy people seek help. They connect, they discover their community roots, and they see a therapist when they need to. But don't we all look at people and you don't look at someone and say, well, you know, she's got a stable job, she's happy, she's got a sense of humor, she's you know, an equestrian, like she's doing all these things. You don't necessarily, unless you're in the mental health realm, you don't necessarily say, oh, she must definitely be seeing a therapist. You think. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, she's got her, she's got her stuff together or she's normal. And she just came out the womb, like swinging. Yeah. yeah. I mean, (laughs) really, that was my perception. So I'm, 
a heavy advocate. I will tell people right off the bat, oh yeah, my therapist said, or I talked about this with my therapist and I'll bring it into any conversation because nobody should look at me and think, oh, she did it on her own or she has no support or she's just that great. (laughs) (laughs) It has taken a community. It it does. And um, one of our theorists in our field, Alfred Adler, said the normal people are the ones you just don't know very well. Mm. And it was quoted again Mm. by Tyrion in Game of Thrones, and it could not be more (laughs) accurate. (laughs) We just picked up like 50 new listeners. We did. Reference (laughs) drop. We need to go with Game of Thrones uh, metaphors or allegories. Let's Let's, go with it. Let's do it. Yeah, I definitely, it's something that I had to get over graduating high school was getting over this idea that people are born perfect and Mm. they just, because you see athletes who just pick it up perfectly Mm -hmm. and then it's just assumed, you know, like some people are born with this perfect societal happenings. Yes, perfect family. Yeah, yeah. Perfect image. Mm -hmm. They must have it all together. But it's not true. Like you get your best successes for things that you fight for and you really work with. Yes for as opposed to just being born with it yeah it's funny what you said adrian about normal people Mm -hmm. um and how sometimes i wish we could all just wear our mental health our more observable mental health issues like on our outside Hmm. because wouldn't we all just then recognize that in the other person and it would not be abnormal and and i think that people who do have those more observable traits um, it's kind of envious because they know, or maybe they don't know, but we see it and we know and we're more compassionate or should be. There's comfort and connection. Yeah. And we wouldn't feel so isolated. Like we're suffering with our mental issues alone because so many people go through what we're going through and they've been there and they can comfort us like the way you had found comfort in your friends, mm. yeah. the community you had built. Yeah. If you could go back and tell your suffering self one piece of advice, something motivating, something inspiring, what would it be? That is an intense question. (laughs) It is. Uh. (laughs) It might not be one thing, but it would be you are so precious. I love that. Um, I would say it is not your fault, and you are so precious. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Would that have changed the course of your life, and would you have wanted it to? Oh, wow. None of us want to suffer, right? No. We want to avoid it at all costs. Yes. Um, Maybe that's why we avoid mental health, because you don't want to dig up. Mm. Past trauma. Um, Would I go through it again? I I I would have to. I mean, to be who I am now. Now, if who I am now could have been healthier at an earlier age, I would take that at a heartbeat. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Because I have also inflicted suffering upon people because of my own uh, my own woundedness, uh, my own own uh, reluctance. Yes, my own hurt, my reluctance to be vulnerable, my the covering it up, um, whatever false advertising you give off as a somebody who's wounded and not willing to address that. Um, I I would want healing for my family. If I could just 
if if everything if it could have been a perfect environment growing up where everyone wasn't dealing with their own mental health issues that they had felt whole and healthy and authentic and vulnerable and it was safe if my home was safe yes I would choose that over a not safe home again that's a journey I can't speak to but your journey going forward Mm -hmm. remembers that and protects the priceless precious beautiful girl that you were and Mm -hmm. the woman you are and the woman you will be Yes, the journey going forward is one where I I want my family, if I ever have a family, to experience that safe place. Mm -hmm. I didn't have it, but now through this journey, I can provide that or I can guide that path towards health. Yeah, that's what I think is one of the awesome things about good mental health and good mental health practices is that it has an impact. It's a domino effect. Not only Mm -hmm. are you helping yourself, Like, I've seen it with my mom and my dad, how it's impacted our whole family in Mm -hmm. a really positive way. And so it doesn't just help you. It also hits those people around you in good ways where even reaching out to your friends and creating a safe place, yeah, you grow that group of healthy, trusting individuals. And I'm almost excited to see 50 years from now how the world ends up because of a world that's not so stigmatized about mental health. I love talking to my world yeah <laughs> yeah and one that trusts each other and talks about things instead of just trying to be this perfect outer shell of a person mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yes so yeah we are reaching the end of our time it blew past so quick <laughs> <laughs> it did I, your story is engaging i could talk with you all day oh. <laughs> well you know mental health <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about mental health all day, but you really shine such a beautiful light on it. Thank you. Thank you for your passion and sharing it with us. Oh, you're most welcome. Yeah, as we sign off today, um, don't forget to rate and review us online. We just started on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on BeanPod. I know my mom talks about that a lot. Um, Please rate and review us. That's the best way we're going to spread. And tell your friends about it. If um, you want to help that domino effect and start pushing those um, people in a good place, then definitely share us. You can find us on um, Facebook at Community Roots Podcast, Instagram at communityroots.pod, and Facebook at, <laughs> I mean, sorry, and email at communityroots.pod at gmail.com. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, yeah, and special thanks to um, Julie Richards, Lisa Gilchrist, mm. Um, the people here at WGRN, Adrienne, Sarah for joining us, Alexander Wells. Uh, and you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, Our infallible Steve- producer. Yes. <laughs> Getting there. Um, uh, Steve Prakas, Steve Dodge, anybody else? Does anybody now is open to thank people? The, um, anybody a part of my journey? Yes, yes. Uh, the mental health community in Ohio. One big community. Thank you for everything you do. You are very, very often appreciated, but not told. Mm. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so catch us next week, um, Sunday at 9 a.m. on WGRN 94.1. And we'll see you then. Bye.